0: This reading is from Ephesians 3 chapters 1 to 13 and it's on page 1174 God's marvelous plan for the Gentiles For this reason I Paul the prisoner of Jesus of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given for me, given to you for me, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God
1: Now, before I start, I've just got a couple of quick things I've got to uh, announce. One is a text message that came in from Paul Reed, who's leading our team out to parks. I know they had a team of about 15, 16 organised. He said in the last two days, they've lost five volunteers for various reasons. And he said if there were any people there who would, at short notice, be able to go out from Thursday to Sunday... Uh, if you can contact me after the service, that'd be great. Uh, It promises to be a great time. There is cars space available if you just need to jump in a car and go with one of the team. And secondly, I just want to say a very big thank you to those who came yesterday to the Serve Manly at the school. We had, I think, about uh, 80, 90... Uh, Adults and kids over there helping uh, do a backyard blitz for Manley Village Public School. It's a wonderful thing we've done every year just to go and love that community and show them that there are Christians here who do care. And for those who got involved and rolled their sleeves up, a very big thank you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your love to us in Christ. And as we come today and think about being better together, Lord, give us grace and wisdom as we look at your word, in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, last week we began the series Better Together and we're looking at the book of Ephesians and we're thinking about what does it mean to be the church? Sorry, I've got the uh, bus up there. Uh, And we asked the question, what does it mean to be a member of God's church? And I define the church as God's holy people, the body of Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And being a member doesn't mean we just come along, we actually belong here, we get involved here, we serve here and we actually need each other, we are better together. What we're going to look at this morning is the question of mission. How central is the church to mission and do I have a part to play if I can speak on behalf of all of us? Or is it something just for specialists to do when we think about the work of reaching out with the gospel and seeing people come to faith in Christ? As a church, we are commissioned. Uh, Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 is the great commission go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations and it's worth saying it's not a great suggestion by Jesus it is a great commission by him Uh, he has given that task to us to do through all generations until he returns and to go to the very ends of the world but I want to ask the question how central are we to that And I say that because I think sometimes we think of mission as things or the activity that missionaries do. You can think of uh, Neville and Kathy in their role. Uh, You might think of someone like John Dixon who was here recently and he's got a national role speaking as well as local senior minister at Roseville. Uh, You could also think of the staff here. There's Scott Petty up on the screen preaching at our jazz church a number of years ago. And I think it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking, when you think of mission, it's something that the professionals do, the very gifted do, Um, I just am a member of the church here. I couldn't be involved helping someone come to faith. That's too difficult. I'm not gifted, I can't speak. Um, It's something for those who are very good at explaining the gospel. I want to say to us this morning that actually every person here has a role to play in helping people come to faith. And what we want to do is have a look at Ephesians chapter 3, particularly the passage that was read to us by Karen, uh, verses 1 to 13. And it's an odd section, if I could put it that way. Um, if you've got your Bibles, open them up, page 1174. And when you come to the beginning of this passage, you've just had two wonderful chapters describing the great salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul has gone on to explain if I can say the riches of that salvation and he stops at the beginning of chapter 3 and says, for this reason, I, Paul. Now those words get repeated at verse 14 of chapter 3, for this reason, I and at that level, that point he actually kneels and prays and I think at the start of this chapter he's about to pray And pray for the people that they will know the reality of Christ and his love for them in their lives. And then he thinks, just by the way, let me explain to you my calling to explain this message. And he goes on this slight tangent out to the side, and we often don't speak about it, but it's fascinating because it reflects on his ministry of gospel preaching. And importantly, we see here the centrality of the church in that mission. And as I ask the question, how central is the church for mission, there's three things I want to say. The first thing is this. uh, What you see from Paul's description of his ministry is that there is a message for the world. And so let me read from verse 2. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. In other words, uh, God set me apart. There was a special grace given to me. And that special grace was that this mystery... was made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly, as I've been explaining about this gospel. And you see, the biggest struggle in the first century was not whether people would believe in God. Now, that absolutely is an issue today. In our current culture, to believe in God, many people would say they're not religious. Uh, That was not the issue in the first century particularly for the Jewish people, they all believed that there was one God. If you weren't Jewish, I can say from the non-Jewish kind of group, uh, you'd believe there were many gods. The big problem the Jewish people had was the idea that their God would actually love the world. That their God would include people who were not Jews as part of his people. They had a massive problem with that. And what Paul... Is basically revealed is that the God of Israel was actually the God of the nations and in God's providence God chose Paul who was Saul who was the great antagonist to this idea I mean he loathed the thought that you could have Gentile people coming which is us typically and join the people of God he loathed that thought until he was confronted by the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus And his whole paradigm for how he understood God was radically altered and turned on its head and the Lord Jesus commissioned him on that road to go and be his voice person to the nations to the non-Jewish people and that's what he's reflecting on here Uh, the mystery made known to me by revelation as I've already written verse 6 this mystery and it's interesting the word mystery for us means something that is unknown in the Greco-Roman culture, it was something that was previously unknown that had now been revealed, and he says this mystery that is that the sorry this mystery verse six is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I want you to stop and think about that, what that means for us today. What he was saying is. Uh, there is no one nation that is more favored than the other at this point in history. This message is a message for everyone. It says that through the gospel, the non Jews are heirs, together with Israel's. We all together share in the promise that's in Christ Jesus. If I can put it in this way, the church is not a religious club, we have a message for the world. Now, there's no doubt in our current culture, we are a minority in this country as Christians, which I want to say I'm fine with. We may minister in our current culture from the edge of society, not the center. And I wish some of our politicians would work that out. It's actually quite helpful, I think, to be on the edge. And historically, when you look at the church through the history of the last 20 centuries... The church has done its best work when it has been on the edge and it's been a minority and it's not had power and position. And it's not had the privilege of being at the center. Obviously, honestly, when the church has had power and privilege and position, it typically has corrupted it. And that's what power and position will do. We, the church, have done their best work, their best ministry when we've been on the edge, on the margins. And I don't want to say that's where we should see ourselves today. But not in the sense that we don't have a message for the center or for those who are on the edge with us. We actually have a message for everyone, for the rich, for the poor, for the white, the black, the yellow, whatever color you've got, whatever place in life you're at, whatever social class you come from, this message is for you. And the second thing is that we see from Paul is that this message needs to be preached to the world. Verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created All things. I want you to know two things. Firstly, he says, I'm a servant of this gospel. And what he means is, uh, there's a whole endeavor that he's caught up in, which is to see this gospel go out to the world. He says, I'm a servant of that, I'm giving my life to it. But secondly, he says, I'm to proclaim it. You see, I was called to be a servant of it and I'm called to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And if I can just stop for a moment and just reflect on what he says there. Uh, It's the most beautiful phrase. The boundless riches of Christ. I don't know what you think of when you think of evangelism, but friends, we have wonderful news. We have riches to share with people freely. That is the gospel. It is the most amazing message That speaks of a God who's come into this world to those who've turned their back on him. And who comes to seek and save those who are lost. Not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The one who healed the leper. The one who raised the dead. The one who loved those on the margins. The riches of Christ are just unthinkable. They're unsearchable, they're never-ending, and they're found in the gospel. And friends, that's what we have to share, good news, the good news of the Lord Jesus. Now, let me just stop there for a moment. Nothing I've said so far is new, probably for most of us. You've always known I've thought the gospel needs to be preached. You've always known I've thought the gospel's good news, haven't you? But what about being better together? What has this passage got to say about that? Well, there is a remarkable verse there at verse 10. I want you to have a look at it. It's often looked over because this little section about Paul's personal ministry is often looked over. And Paul says about God, he says his intent was that now through the gospel the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. His intent was that through the church the wisdom of God should be made known. Now what is he saying here? He's saying that through the church you see the wisdom of God. Now I do want to acknowledge that there's some very dark chapters in the church's history. Uh, There's no doubt about that. And every denomination, including our own here as Anglicans, has dark chapters. There's chapters of the story that you wish weren't told, weren't real, hadn't existed. But they have. And I'm sure all of us could have a story, even just from our current day, of our own experience of church or denominations that you go, really? But yet in the midst of that, there is a beauty to the church and a wonder to the church and it actually displays the wisdom of God. I want to ask you a question. Where in this world will you see an organisation and community that is as diverse as the church, and yet united as the church. I'd put it to you, there is none. There is no other organization or community in all of the world that has the incredible diversity that the church has. You see, we have members from every tribe and every nation and every tongue. And yet, within this incredible diversity of race, you've got diversity of social standing. We have from the richest of the rich to the poorest of the poor. You've got diversity of social standing, from the upper classes, the lower classes, the working classes, the middle classes. And yet, within that incredible diversity, you've got this unity. That together, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Now I hadn't planned this, but I think it's a wonderful thing that as Neville calls me, my white brother and he's my black brother. And as he said on his first occasion, I'm your big black brother whether you like it or not. <laughs> and I'm here. And there's a certain beauty about that on this day that we can celebrate being together in Christ neither better than the other, but equal, learning from each other, encouraged by each other. Where else in this world will you see that diversity and that unity? I'd put it to you, you won't. And you see, it speaks of the reality of the wisdom of God and the power of the gospel, because it's the gospel that creates this unity and diversity where you leave your trappings and your names and your wealth and your position and your color and your nationality at the door, and we join here as one in Christ. Let me read that verse again to us, verse 10. It's through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Now, it's interesting, it's made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, in other words, to angels and demons. And if I can add another layer of beauty to this, the very existence of the church says to the devil that God rules because every nation is represented just by being together one in Christ and I want to say friends when you think about mission there is an incredible power to this that must not be underestimated When the church lives as Jesus calls us to, and when he is transforming us as he desires to, there is a power of witness to this community that is incredibly profound. Now, our vision is to grow God's church through the gospel. It's the gospel that creates this unity and diversity as we come to Christ. And we do that by making faithful disciples or followers of Jesus who share His love, grace and truth in manly. And I want to talk about those three things. They're fundamentally of great significance to me and always have been because I think they're the three pillars of our understanding of God, of the Christian faith, of discipleship, grace, love and truth. Let me go through them firstly, Uh, grace. There's much to say and read about grace in Ephesians. And grace speaks of the way God, in His incredible kindness, takes us as we are in an unmerited way and accepts us through Christ and faith in Him. And what happens is when you experience the kindness and acceptance of God's grace, it changes you. And you're no longer the person you were. And your character is transformed, your habits are transformed, your world is transformed so that you are a different person. And the thing about God's grace is you can tell when someone has experienced it because you can see it. And you can see the life change that's taken place in their life. We want disciples who are transformed by God's grace. We also want them who are filled with His love. And the thing with love is this, the gospel is about this incredible love that God has for us in spite of who we are, it's not earned, it's not deserved, and he fills our hearts with it. And just look at the prayer that follows on from here, it's about the reality that Paul wants all of the church to experience that love, the depths of it, the height, the width, the breadth. And you see, when you are filled with his love, what what do you do? You share that love. You love people who are unlovable. You welcome people in who are on the edge. And the Christian community is full of people that you can see their change, but you can also feel this tangible experience of God through the love of the people. But that's not all you see. We're not just a group of people who are changed and love. We have a message. We have a story, and we're founded on the truth of the gospel. And when you see the church alive, you'll see changed people. You will feel this love and you will hear something. You'll hear the message of the gospel. You'll hear the name of Jesus being lifted up and worshipped as the king of kings. As Neville cheekily reminded the people of Dubbo, there is another king coming. He hasn't arrived yet. And that's what marks out the church. Grace. Love and truth transform lives that reflect His holiness, love that reflect the undeserved love that we've experienced, the truth of the gospel being spoken, the name of Jesus lifted high. You can see it, you can feel it, you can hear it. And you see, this is the context for doing mission today. And it's always been the context. You see, people were attracted to the church in the early centuries, not just because they heard a gospel message, they saw a people who were different. They felt a love that they'd never seen before. And they were welcomed into these communities and they were transformed and came to Christ. And I love what evangelist Sam Chan said uh, about the reality of doing evangelism today. He said, Whether we like it or not, it's our community of trusted friends and family that is most important in determining what we believe. And you see, in the quest for people to understand and believe things, our family, our communities have enormous impact. On what we think and what we believe. And he goes on to say if you think about the past with evangelism, you could put it this way if the gospel is true, then believe it and then live it. And so you would reel people in like Billy Graham, people would hear the gospel they believe, they'd go and join churches. Today it's the opposite with postmoderns. Uh, for the mo- modern, if the gospel is true, believe it, then live it. For today, postmoderns, if the gospel is livable, then it's believable then it's true. And if I could put it this way, uh, in the past, people would often believe and then they would belong. It's the complete opposite today. They belong and then they start to believe. I love to hear a good story of someone who's come to Christ and a miraculous transformation. I've got a friend from my past. His name is Neil. He was a seriously addicted user of marijuana, totally destroying his life could not get off it, he went to a um, rehab place, that was a Christian farm in the Southern Highlands and he came to Christ quite dramatically and he said he remembers waking up two weeks later, not that he was asleep for two weeks but you know he'd been living for two weeks, uh, it's worth saying, but two weeks later he came to this realisation that he had not once desired marijuana. He was a new person, he'd been born again, and his whole desire and addiction was completely healed. And he went off and joined a church. Now, you hear those stories and think they're wonderful, but they're actually not that normal. The normal's the opposite. People join a Christian community, they've got connection with Christian friends, and they start to see the grace of God at work in their lives, they start to feel love and acceptance, and then they start to listen and believe. And you see, this is the way, typically, people are coming to Christ today. And what that says is, all of us have a role to play. How you live absolutely matters. We must be trophies of grace that reflect a transformation that we point to Christ as the one who's done it. We must be a community of love. Where there's this incredible sense of welcome and acceptance of people on the margins and the edges and those who just wander in. And we're a worshipping community who point and speak of the Lord Jesus. I want you to ask yourself this question, why do you live here in Manly? Or in the surrounding suburbs? It's a good question to ask. I, I, when I was invited for this job, went on Google Maps and I saw the beach and the harbour. I'll be very honest with you. And I was deeply convicted by God. And it was like he said, if that's why you want to go, stop right now. That's not why I want to send you there. Friends, you may have come here because of the harbour and the beach. But God actually has a bigger vision for you. And he's got a bigger vision for us. We're at the centre here of where people just come in. And friends, every week, there'll be people who walk in here, seeking, looking. And what are they going to find? Will they find lives that are transformed by Christ, that they can see? Will they meet people who love them and acceptance that they feel? And will they start to hear the name of Jesus? Friends, that's why we're here. You may have thought it's the beach and the harbour, but it's actually the gospel. And we have an incredible mission here. It's why after church, don't just go and look for your friends. Go and look for those who are new. It's why every week you need to come wanting to serve and think how you can be involved in the mission of God. I want to invite up a member of our church who's actually joined the staff team in a maternity leave role in the office. Her name's Michelle Rademeyer. And she wandered in here 12 years ago. Can you welcome Michelle up? Hi. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to my world up here. I know you have a different world back in the office. very different. Uh, I don't find it scary, but you might be a little bit nervous. Yes, just a bit. Just a little bit. (laughs) That's all right. We're glad you're here. Um, Michelle, just tell us a bit about your story. You know, what's your kind of church background and...
2: So I uh, grew up in Sydney, but I grew up in a Catholic um, family, so going to church quite quite regularly. But um, I guess now, looking back, definitely not Christian. So church was an area that I was comfortable in, and just sort of going on a Sunday and, and that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, would, was definitely not a Christian.
1: Didn't understand the gospel. Well, or, uh, yeah. So all, all you sort, sort of, of
2: heard it, but it never sort of penetrated any yep. any part of me really.
1: So tell us how tell us about your journey in terms of coming to Christ.
2: So. Um, When I met my husband, Emil, uh, when we were dating here in Manly, um, he was friends with Henker and Eugene, um, and uh, so obviously I met them through him, and if anyone knows Henker, she's pretty shy and quiet and doesn't say much, (laughs) but what she is, in the best possible way, is relentless about her faith, and relentless about sharing her faith and inviting people to church, and so she would invite us to church, or my husband was already Christian, but she would invite Meet a church and I think because I was comfortable being in a church environment I was like sure I'll come to church and sort of sit here and I think coming into St. Matt's um, it felt entirely different from anything that I'd ever felt or experienced before it was very authentic very real Um, people had a real passion for Jesus so I mean I guess that was the seed that was that was planted but you know at that stage it was just sort of something I, I did sporadically so you didn't, you didn't come
1: in and kind of fall on your knees and just give. No, your life there to was Jesus. no,
2: there was no yeah. clouds parting, angels singing, <laughs> no bolt of lightning. Um, but obviously that seed was something that was planted here, and um, I'm one of those people that's a bit geeky. I go onto Amazon and I see what books are out there and what people are liking, and so I started to look up Christian um, books, and I came across this book called um, Beautiful Outlaw, and it's probably not the most theologically intellectual book but it is a book about Jesus and it's a book about um, his character, his personality and who he was. Uh, so I just ordered it, didn't know anything about it, I ordered that in a number of other books and read it and it was I guess so eye-opening and life-changing for me. He'd gone from somebody that I thought I knew through my Catholic upbringing as this kind of, you know, that, that Jesus was very two-dimensional, white robe, said really profound things but kind of anglo-saxon yeah yeah, blonde hair blue-eyed kind of stuff um and it was mind-blowing and so obviously just because Henker had been the one to introduce me the first person I thought about telling her about this book uh, telling about the book was Henker so I think I bought her a copy dropped it up and that was it and she read the book and was like this book is fantastic she was part of a bible study um, group and she said you know what we're going to do this as our next bible study
1: So you now joined a Bible study?
2: Well, yeah, I didn't realise I joined a Bible study. I just went up to Anchor's house and there's 15 women around that, you know, and I think that was what was so real for me. It was just so natural. Um, These were real people, normal, not crazy looking people, but were so different as well. So they were so authentic. They really, what I read about this Jesus, which was so profound to me, was they all knew, right? They all loved this Jesus. They were all passionate about it. So... Um, I joined the Bible study group and met some amazing women Um, and around that time we also fell pregnant with our first baby Um, so I think Suzanne organized a meal roster for me when I had um, my son and again it was uh, just realizing these people lived what they believed you know they were passionate about. The meals
1: started turning up on your door. Yes and
2: like I have never valued a meal as much as You don't realise how much you value someone cooking dinner for you when you've got a newborn baby. It would have been cheese on toast for the first three months if it wasn't for (laughs) these amazing, amazing women. So I think um, it was kind of a process. What I realise now as I look back, I look at like all of the people that probably didn't realise, especially the women that brought meals or in that Bible study group, that it was these conversations, it was them being um, really comfortable with their faith and how they lived and being passionate about being here and just so many things that took it from if I just read that book and ended it there, I wouldn't probably. I don't think I would be here. I mean, I don't know how God works but I think the major part of this has been having a place to come that encourages and supports and provides wisdom.
1: Well, my last question was what, what role did the community play in helping <laughs> you come to Christ? I think you've answered that. Thank you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's everything. I think, um, you know, like I said it wasn't a lightning bolt moment it was just now I look back on the last 10 years and I just see this amazing path dotted with people um, here in church coming and listening to the sermons and all of that sort of stuff but it just all coming together in this amazing puzzle that has guided me to here and to to my faith and it wouldn't have been possible without I don't think the church
1: fantastic why don't you thank uh, Michelle for coming and sharing this morning wonderful job I'm going to finish up by just saying um, our theme is Better Together. And I hope you've taken that away, not just from the message, but from that testimony. Um, This is something we're all involved in. And when the church is at its best, you can see it in the way people's lives have been changed by the grace of God. You can feel it in how we all collectively look out for each other and look out for those who are new coming in and we welcome them in. And you can hear it as we all share and speak of the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone can be a part of that. It's why we're better together. Let me pray. Father, I do thank you for the gospel that Paul was a servant of, as well as a preacher. But as he says, it's the church that displays your wisdom to the whole world, to the universe. And Father, we need each other, we are better together. And I pray we would be a community filled with people whose lives are transformed by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that are filled by his love such that it overflows in how we treat each other and care for each other, and that the, the truth of the gospel as found in the scriptures is spoken and believed and stood upon as the foundation for all that we do. And we're all different, Lord, from different backgrounds with different skills, and I pray, Lord, that we'd value each other and together help reach this community for Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.